a native speaker featuring this podcast episode. Listeners of the Next English Podcast, welcome to yet another episode. And the reason I invited today's guest is because we have got three important things in common. Number one, we are both podcasters. Number two, we are both English teachers. And number three, we both love board games and we often implement them in our uh, English classrooms. Uh, but to take that notion even further, you actually have a podcast about using board games in English language teaching, don't you? Hello. Dustin, Hi, welcome, Zenic. welcome onto my podcast. Thank you, thank you. Yeah, it's it's pretty awesome. We share those three things: podcasting, board games, and English. I always tell people um, these are the three best communities to be a part of: teaching, podcasting, and board games. Absolutely, absolutely. We are like-minded people for sure. So, Dustin, uh, your podcast is called Board Gaming with English. So, I think that kind of speaks volumes, doesn't it? Right, right. Yeah, we actually just uh, rebranded. So we were Board Game with English and we focused mainly on English speakers and English teachers. But now we're Board Game with Education because we've had a lot of uh, of our audience reach out to us that also taught other content areas. Mm -hmm. Well, I have noticed that. So uh, how long have you been doing your podcast, Dustin? Um, we just hit a year of episodes. Well, we will hit a year in February. Mm -hmm. So there's going to be a massive celebration, isn't there? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know about that, but we'll be on season five, so that's pretty cool. Mm -hmm. Well, I, you say we, but actually I know for a fact, because I am a, a fan of yours, I'm a listener to your podcast, uh, that you started your podcast with a friend, uh, Rich. Right, right. Yeah, he actually went back to the States. So yeah, it is it's a one-man show, but I have a lot of people that help me put it together. Okay, so it's a it's a big project. Um, so would you mind telling us um, in a few sentences what your podcast is actually about? I think the listeners can kind of guess it from its name, but uh, I, I don't think it will do any any harm if you tell us a bit more. Yeah, sure. Um, it's called Board Gaming with Education. Like I mentioned, Previously, we were board game with English, and we covered mainly topics related to English learning. We had some episodes that help English learners practice and improve their English. You can still go back to and listen to those episodes, but now we're shifting focus to reach out to education in general and looking at how mo mainly analog games like board games, table go tabletop games mm -hmm. help learning and help in the classroom. Mm -hmm. That's awesome. Well, I know that you had two kinds of episodes which were a little bit different. And so you had this learner edition and then the teacher's edition. Am I right? Right, right. Yeah, so the teacher edition was uh, more conversational. The language is a bit more technical, a bit more complicated, uh, more teacher-focused, more education-focused, more about the theories and practice of using board games or mm -hmm. games in education. Student edition was for learners who would like to use board games to improve their English. Yeah, I, I kind of like it because there is a noticeable difference. So if I if I um, 
listen to your learner edition, it's obvious that you're trying to reach out to the listeners um, often who are learners of English. So, for example, you speak at a slower pace and uh, you often explain vocabulary from uh, those games and you teach there as well, which is very nice. Whereas in those teacher editions, uh, I notice that you often try to justify even uh, the approach of teaching English uh, through board games. Right. Yeah, I think um, it's really easy for me to talk a bit slower because I'm used to it and teaching throughout the week, uh, teaching English lessons. So I hope you can tell the difference between the yeah. learner edition episodes and the teacher edition episodes. Mm-hmm. I, I have to say, I like this idea. It's a, I think it's very cool. Um, but before before we move on to talking about your podcast a little bit more, I think I, I have forgotten to ask you actually where where you're from and uh, where you're currently located, because I think that's very interesting as well. Yeah, um, I'm actually in Taipei, Taiwan, and I am from Nebraska. I don't know. A lot of people aren't aware of where Nebraska is in the world. If you're from the States, you even have some problems maybe <laughs> knowing about the state or knowing much about the state. But um, I lived in a few different parts of the world and I've taught different areas too. But now I'm in Taiwan teaching mainly university students. I do have some small private classes with younger age students as well. Mm-hmm. So do you actually use your board games um, in the university classes, like in lectures or seminars or Are you ever able to do that or do you organize special courses for that? Yeah, I do. That's, I mean, that's one, I think, really great freedom of being a university instructor is I have a lot of freedom in being innovative in how I present my curriculum or my content. Mm -hmm. So I, I use it quite a bit. I think maybe I pushed a little too far this last semester because usually... Students are very happy with when I bring games in the class mm-hmm. or I use different teaching strategies that a lot of their other teachers don't do. But this semester, this last semester, I think I, I actually had a couple of students that say I did too many, too many games. <laughs> I, I think Usually I can, that's not the case. <laughs> yeah, I think I can kind of relate to this, actually. It's, it's funny. Um, sometimes I ask myself whether I'm going a little bit too far with this. Obviously, you have the curriculum you have to fulfill and you want to follow that. But at the same time, if you are someone like us, you want to do as much of the gaming in the in the class as possible, especially if you know that your students really enjoy it so much. So what is it about the board games that makes it so appealing to the students, Dustin? That's a great question. I mean, I think a lot of us like to play games and that type of uh, sentiment is growing. Um, I do sometimes come across people who say, oh, I don't really enjoy games. Mm -hmm. And I listen to another podcast and they always talk about the fact that, you know, you can say you don't like games, but it's probably just because you haven't found the game that you enjoy yet. Mm. Um, I think it's like saying you don't like movies, maybe. (laughs) So eventually there's going to be a game you like, you know, you you might not like comedy movies, but Mm -hmm. you like action movies. (laughs) Yep. Um, so I, I think it appeals to everyone, the game and especially language learners. There's a feedback system built into the game that's not coming from their teacher. It's coming from their peers. It's coming from the game and how to interact with the game and how um, how they get responses from their peers within the game. Mm-hmm. Well, I just I just love it for so many different reasons. And obviously, 
it's wonderful if you can do your job uh, and also do your sort of hobby at the same time. If you can kill more birds with one stone like that, it's just it's an amazing feeling. And I think it comes through that you become motivated as a teacher as well. So this sort of satisfy your own need, but then you also sort of um, infect your students with it as well. And like you said, like everybody likes likes games, yeah. Um, more often than not, people will say they love games. What you said that some maybe some of them don't, and uh, you explained why it's it's possible too. But I would say ninety ninety nine percent of my students they always want to play the games. But the challenge is how do you make it happen in the class, right? So that it's justifiable if uh, let's say an inspector or somebody uh, who who checks checks up on you as, as a teacher comes into the classroom like can you justify the the board games it's not always easy yeah right i think one benefit of being a language teacher uh of course there are more efficient ways of using language in the classroom and more efficient ways to learn or teach but the great thing is if you're using the language the target language i feel like there's no harm mm-hmm. um of course different subjects you have to think a bit creatively on how you implement games. We had the previous co-host, he taught at a high school. So he used games a lot of times to review. And I know one game he used was a World War One review okay. game that he would use questions that they've covered throughout the semester or the quarter. Mm-hmm. And within the review game, their teams had different strategies they could do to answer or attack other teams. Yeah. Um, so just by adding a gamification element on top of what you are already doing, mm-hmm. it just increases that engagement instead of, you know, a boring just answering a review worksheet. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, so so it's just this element of competitiveness or the students forget they're, they are really learning, right? Because it maybe reminds them of games they might play in, the, in real life as well. And it's, it's, isn't this what we want as the educators? And uh, especially if you are teaching English as a second language, there is this sort of wall that the students have often. Or, or well, Stephen Krashen, um, what does he call it? You know, you know Stephen Krashen, um, the famous. Yeah. Uh, yeah, he was in Taiwan not too long ago. I oh, don't know. I usually go to English Teachers Association conference once a year. I didn't go this last this last one, but the one previously I went to it mm-hmm. and I saw him talk. Yeah. Yeah. So it's 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 a proponent of the natural approach and and uh, I I forgot what his hypothesis is called, but it's essentially about the fact that uh there's some some sort of a monitor isn't there? Um Wait a minute. Basically, what he's saying is that uh, there are some ways that prevent your progress, like psychologically, uh, that you become anxious and nervous if you are in the class uh, because it's not it's not a natural environment. But when you start playing a game, you know you forget that you're learning and you become more relaxed, and it all comes naturally. So that's that's what I'm trying to say. Maybe I'm not using the most eloquent words here, but (laughs) right. I mean, that's I mean that's the idea, right? Is you. When you're playing a game, you're no longer a student, you're a player. And you're not worried about making language mistakes, you're worried about winning the game. Exactly. Yeah. 
So we are trying to connect this bridge between uh, learning and, and also enjoying the game and playing the game, I think, with the, these board games. But I think we need to make an important distinction here. So often when uh, you say board games and let's say you talk to a colleague or somebody who has never come across this idea that we are talking about now, maybe the students will imagine something else because you have got these board games, you know, from the different resource books, like you have a teacher's book of a textbook. And then you will have one of those exercises there where it looks like a board game, like snakes and ladders and things, and where you, where you let's say, practice uh, present perfect tense or conditionals. You, you know what I'm talking about? Like each space has got a, a question maybe, and you are supposed to answer, and you only use a piece and a, a, a die. You do that. Right, right. Yeah. yeah, I remember first first using one of those when I taught elementary <laughs> students in Korea, and it, it completely bombed. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, but like I am not saying they are bad, but what I'm trying to say is that this is not what we have in mind, is it? That's not what we are talking right. about here. Yeah, I mean, as far as engaging the students, they're not... I think that what makes the other games more engaging and more uh, maybe exciting for students is giving them autonomy and letting them make choices, letting them see the impacts they have on the game and learning throughout that process of playing the game yeah because these games are more games than anything else whereas those games from the teachers books that could be they 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 have a feeling like they are more activities than games with a clear aim of practicing the language the target language and right yeah and also i think these games because what you can tell your students these are real authentic games that are published and aimed at native speakers. So, uh, as you know, uh, authentic material in the English classes, it's very, very motivating for the students, very um, useful. Yeah, I agree. I think uh, one thing that's been the most challenging for me with my university students is connecting their... They know English is important, but showing them English is important, and how can I bring that about and bring that out of them in the classroom exactly so it's 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 an uh, ever um, everlasting struggle for us the english teachers absolutely right. also depends on the on the age and what they need their english for i don't know okay, could you please tell me what sort of university you teach at what's the main uh, field of study there or yeah so i guess we have i mean a wide range of majors um the goal of our university is to be or is to equip our students with English like that is yeah. one of our things that sets our university apart from others is we really want to or need to emphasize mm -hmm. English ability in our students so they're all required to take English all four years um, that because of different policies and um, ways that our university runs things they're not always in the the English classroom all four years sometimes they can test out which is too bad because a lot of times what happens is the student they come to the university they take their first year of English then they test out the second year their English is great at the end of that first year but by the time they're back in the classroom the third year hmm. it's gone all the way back down yeah. so it, it's it's not the most beneficial in a practical sense unfortunately but we do really try to make sure 
every student has a certain level of English when mm -hmm. they graduate. Mm -hmm. So what, what sort of levels um, do you teach, Dustin, at the Yonu University? I teach a wide range because of the nature of how our program set up. They group students based on their major and where the English class fits into their schedule. So we don't really get um, classes where the beginner learners are grouped together. Mm -hmm. So I will have some students where it's really hard to even communicate like a simple sentence, oh, send wow. me an email after class where I get students who should be in my advanced English class, but mm -hmm. they don't have time in their schedule. So they come to the, the level that I'm at. So mm -hmm. I have to really learn to kind of coordinate my content to yeah. not be too difficult for the lowest, yeah. but also <laughs> engaging enough for the higher level mm -hmm. learners. Yeah. I've been there, so you have to do a lot of differentiation, as we call it. It's not not always easy, I know. Uh, but right. um, also, it also determines or um, influences your choice of the game that you use uh, in the class, obviously. So we have all sorts of games, all sorts of board games, and we could uh, hear some of uh, you could hear you and your friend Rich presenting some of these games on your podcast. Um, so you have to choose because not all games are um, basically suitable for that particular level. So you have to be, I think it helps if you have more experience with games and if you do it more times, then you will learn. Uh, you will have this like, almost like intuition. You will know what will work with which levels. Right. I mean, that's what why I really love using games in the language classroom is because the lower level students and the higher level students can use the same thing and still meet on that level where it's maybe challenging the lower level students mm. a lot, but it's challenging enough for the higher level students. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, so it's it's usually something, but it depends. I mean, there are different games, which are tools that we can use for different objectives, I guess. I mean, there are certain games that I might use for teaching vocabulary, yeah. where there are certain games I'll use for teaching a grammar structure. Mm -hmm. So uh, would you mind telling us an example of each of these games then? What kind of game would you use for for teaching vocabulary? What game would you use for uh, teaching grammar? I think I have got some tips, but uh, I would like you to tell us. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'd, I'd like to hear. I'd love to hear what you have too. Um, I guess one that I've used is Werewolf, and that's where you are trying to find the werewolf and everyone is in the village and they everybody closes their eyes you're not sure who the werewolf is um and you have to accuse someone of being the werewolf so you can practice giving an opinion of why you think that person is a werewolf so i think dustin is a werewolf because <laughs> he is very quiet uh, a yeah. very simple uh -huh. simple example but maybe that's a good one for teaching grammar structures um one game i've played recently too that i think is better for higher level students is pandemic uh-huh. And it's yep. a cooperative game. So you're you're working together to try to cure a disease, but you have to decide what city to go to, where to meet. So one thing that I thought to implement in the future is having students write down the language they used in the game to cooperate and complete their goal. Mm -hmm. So those are a couple maybe grammar structure and with those I think with pandemic students can be more conscious about the language they're using and more conscious about the errors maybe they're making where vocabulary could be code names. Yep. 
where you are you have a grid of words and you're trying to help your team choose different words in the grid but you have to give them a clue mm-hmm. uh, I think you mentioned trap words right yeah trap words is, is um, something I've been using now a lot um, basically it's it's kind of a funny story how I got hold of this game because um, trap words was a, is a game that was made by a company called Czech games edition which also made um, the game you mentioned code names yeah so it's a quite, right. quite an established company and they had um, they had a competition on their Facebook group and they were asking the members of the of the group to draw to draw something and uh, the winners the way basically they were supposed to draw what they wished to get under the Christmas tree for Christmas yeah and the winner okay. would get uh, a game. So I was like, what the hell? I'm not the the best drawer you could imagine. Obviously, I'm one of the worst. But I I, <laughs> I drew a picture. And guess what? Uh, there, <laughs> were only, there were only three of us who drew something. And uh-huh. um, three people won a game. So I was lucky, I guess. <laughs> uh-huh. Okay, okay. That's awesome. Uh, yeah. Yeah, uh, I mean, the game is a blast. Like, we, I mean, we've only played it once, but yeah. we... We were laughing the whole time. Yeah. It was there's it's pretty strategic too, and it's not like a word game for word game players. Like you don't have to be a word person who enjoys no. word games to enjoy it. No, quite the opposite. You can you can use it with any sorts of words, and this is what I like about this game as well that you can adjust it. So let's say I want to teach specific vocabulary. Yeah? I want to teach vocabulary related to I don't know family or hobbies. So I can prepare my own vocabulary and then sort of throw it into this game. It's exactly the same with the word where words. Yeah, it's, right. it's one of the games you you guys have presented in one of your episodes. A wonderful game too, because you can choose your own words, and this is this is so so good because you focus it on what you need, and then the students, as you said, they they have a lot of fun and and it works well. And there is strategic elements to it and. Once they try it, they they will keep asking you to play it again and again and again. <laughs> yeah, I mean it's it was a blast. I I want I will use it this upcoming semester just to see how it goes. And I I imagine now like after playing it, it working really well. I was kind of nervous because I thought maybe your vocabulary would have to be very very high, or you'd have to have a a good knowledge bank of enough words to describe whatever you need yeah. to, but yeah. you can be very creative how mm-hmm. you describe something. Exactly. Um, we had an example. I think uh, it was snowman, mm-hmm. and I needed to have my teammate guess that word. So I said, "It's something that falls to the ground," and it maybe. I think I don't. I think I said ice, and I was happy the person didn't write down ice. Yeah. And then after that, I was able to get them to guess the word. <laughs> but yeah, it was, it was a blast. Yeah. So basically, this game is based on, on an old game called Taboos, I think, isn't it? So basically, you have to yeah, ex- they... explain a word to your team, and at the same time, you have to avoid using words that the opposite team chooses as trap words, basically taboo words. And once you use that word. Uh, you're done, you lose. So when explaining the word snowman, not only do you have to avoid the word snow because it's part of the word, that's that's obvious, but you should you should possibly try to avoid the word winter or something like that because that might be one of those trap words. And if you say it, then 
you know, you lose. So you have to be strategic about this. It's a lot of fun. Yeah, I mean, it's so simple. So simple, yeah. Taking taboo and just changing one thing and like whole game is different. I mean, <laughs> yeah. it's awesome. Yeah, this this is I actually I was actually ignoring this game for a long time for that very reason because I thought, hmm, this this is just taboo. I'm not going to buy it, you know. But then when I got when I won it for this uh, in this competition and I started playing, I was like, this is one of the best games to use in the class actually. I'm impressed. Yeah. 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 I have to say. So I I I want to thank you because uh thanks to your podcast, uh, I have I got um I have broadened my knowledge of board games and uh, for example the word werewords uh, the game werewords is one of those games that I'm really um happy to have implemented into my own teaching uh, and I I again I was familiar with this game but I never thought it would be that good because I I thought it's some sort of a hybrid between Werewolf, werewolf and uh the game that I've already had uh, called uh, what is it Insider yeah uh, it's a game, oh, right. game by Japanese company. Yeah, no, awesome. I mean, that that's really great to hear because the reason that I want to keep continuing the podcast is because hopefully can reach out to other educators and other teachers and they can learn more creative ways of helping mm-hmm. give them tools for their classroom. Yeah, and if, if there is one game I could recommend that I think falls into this category of really good games for the class and um fun games it's word slam have you heard of word slam word slam i don't think so that's that i just wrote it down that's a really really good game as well so you have got two teams and um um you have to pick one sort of leader from each team and this this leader draws a card and on that card you have got six different words and so you roll a die uh to see which word you will be sort of giving clues about to your team to actually it's the it's a common word so you you both have the same word and you both have to give clues to your teams and the way you do it is really really fun because you have got these little cards it's like a stack sack uh, what do i want to say stack of cards a deck of deck of cards uh, with um words like old new it could be like adjectives or prepositions in on um and then like themes I don't know, it could be like literature, uh, whatever, technology. And you have to give these little, you have, you, it's limited choice that you have. And by picking some sort of a combination of words, you have to get your team guess that word that both these teams are guessing at the same time. And it's hilarious because the teams have to shout the answers so the other team can hear it as well. So they can sort of, even though they, they may have different clues, they can influence each other and they can sort of like help the other team by accident too it's it's really fun game yeah i'll have to check it out and see um i i mean the name sounds familiar but i'm not sure i'll have to look into it yeah i think it came out like a year ago possibly not 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 more than two years ago for sure okay yeah it's it's uh, one of the games uh, that you might like to do on your podcast it it would be good yeah yeah Speaking of which, uh, you should tell our listeners uh, where they can actually find your podcast. I think that's very important. Yeah. uh, If you go to most, I would say most, if not all, podcast platforms has it, Board Gaming with Education or just boardgamingwitheducation.com. 
Um, we just switched over to that new domain and the website's taking a little bit longer to switch over than I had planned, but mm-hmm. it's still there. You can listen to the podcast. The podcast is all set. Yeah, well, very cool. I, I really have to say that uh, your podcast is cool and you can find it on iTunes and or in any podcasting app. Well, the way I found it was very simple. I was just like, hmm, let me add some more podcasts into my podcasting app. What do I like? Let's see. No, I like board games. Um, <laughs> English. Okay, so board game English and your podcast came up and that's how I started listening to it. <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah, I mean, that's that's really good. We we were the only, uh, I think, English, we were one of the top English language podcasts because there were not many on Spotify for a while. But mm-hmm. now there's, I think, a lot, a lot of more podcasts that have hopped over to Spotify as well. Mm-hmm. Well, I like what I like about your podcast is that it has this this a clear aim. You know, a lot of you have a lot of podcasts which which are sort of generic, but this one is it's it knows it knows what what it is doing. You know, <laughs> right? Yeah, 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 yeah. Which I mean, it's something that kind of it something I wanted to do. I wanted to do a podcast for a while. I wasn't sure what, mm-hmm. or it was more like I kind of had the idea of wanting to do one. And then I listened to this other podcaster who he's an uh, online business podcast, and he released a podcast course at the same time that I kind of had this idea that I could make a podcast to help English learners learn board games. And I was like, all right, I think the world's speaking to me. The universe <laughs> is telling me something. Yeah. Oh, this is wonderful. Uh, so um, c- could you tell us about some more games that you like to use uh, in the in the class? So you mentioned, for example, Pandemic. Uh uh, to be honest, I I also considered doing that because I also run uh, like a board game meetup club in my school. But that's different because we have got, let's say, three hours um, on Friday evening and we can play whatever we want. We can play more complex games there. But I never thought that I would be able to use Pandemic in the class because I always thought that it would take too much time. So um, Yeah, well, with Pandemic, with Pandemic, we did... I did it in English Corner, so it was... These students came every week, and we were. This is probably like the eighth weekend, so I could feel like I could throw a more complex right, game at right. them. Mm-hmm. Also, wasn't too worried about language at that point. I was just like, let's do something different and mm. play a game that mm. they might enjoy. And I learned they were. I paired them up. They each were uh, partners, and they. So there was like five or six of them. So two of them were working together. Yeah. Two others were working together, and then one single and one single so the partners had to talk to each other and like say oh we should do this because of that or maybe we can meet them there so it worked out really well Uh i don't think it would apply to a larger classroom though unfortunately maybe there's a way to do it yeah well that's that's a question i wanted to ask you do you actually have like multiple copies of the game because i often end up teaching let's say 14 15 16 students it's it's the most common number of students i teach in my in my school so uh, in some cases, I have multiple multiple copies of the game. Let's say I have two copies of code names or two copies of where words, which can sometimes get hilarious because you have this app. So the, it's like you have two apps. It's confusing as hell, but <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, you know what I'm trying to say? Do you always have only one copy or do you have more? Um, I originally, whenever I used the game, started with just, <laughs> just one copy, but I think my board game hobby has grown a little bit more. So I yeah. have... I now have three copies of Codenames, but they're all different copies. Uh-huh. Um, but other than that, I just have one copy, it looks like. But 
I guess what a lot of times I do is I, I play the game and I see what part of the game I can use in the class. Yeah. Um, if it's not possible to use the whole game. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I guess I think um, another game that I want to use or see how I can use it is Nyctophobia. Oh, and yeah, I, I remember that. I remember yeah, you, you talking about that game, yeah. Yeah, it's really cool. You it's you get a game you play without seeing anything the whole time so i feel like there should be some some language involved there but i haven't had a chance to explore that either Mm -hmm. um we've played it with friends and a lot of times friends that where english is not their first language will play but they have a usually very almost fluent level of english so it's not really teaching much because they already know how to how to say the things they need to say yeah (laughs) Mm-hmm. So, yeah, have you got any any more games to tell us about? Or, so you use the Werewolf. That's a right. f- famous game. Some students know it as Mafia. Uh, there right. are different versions. What about the game Secret Hitler? Have you ever played that? I've played it. Yes. Um, I don't know if I, I would bring it in the <laughs> class. I I know the topic's a bit sensitive to yeah, some people, so it's hard yeah. to like. It's it's easy to keep it as a as a fun thing that's private i guess it's definitely friends. a little bit controversial i have to i have yeah. to i have to agree with you it, especially it the would theme. be like right it would be like bringing cards against humanity into the classroom it's, it's maybe not something that, that <laughs> yeah i mean maybe adult sure. adult language exchange maybe but even then it's kind of kind of uh, pushing some be, boundaries yeah you have to be a little bit careful with that i guess yeah to be, to be honest i sometimes play it here in the czech republic but when i teach um in england in summer I, I don't have the guts to use it there because it, it someone might complain or something like that. But the game itself right. is amazing. Yeah, I mean, it's a really great mechanic. I know I've read a lot of, like, whenever someone will post about it, that apparently the creator was always told to change the name, but he never did, and he yeah. just <laughs> stuck yeah. with it. It's, yeah. yeah. I mean, there there are some versions of the game, like Secret Voldemort, for example, which is like a Harry Potter Harry Potter theme. Or I have even oh, okay. heard about Secret Trump. <laughs> yeah, I know the Trump version, and yeah. I, I would play that because, <laughs> I mean, but I don't want to offend others, and then they might not want to play with me. So it's just, yeah. I think we might get the Secret Voldemort one, though, because that <laughs> oh, would be easy to yeah. bring anywhere. Or you could you could play Secret Dustin, maybe, or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That would be cool. Yeah. I mean, yeah, that's one thing we've talked about, too, is our show is retheming board games for the classroom because mm-hmm. there are a lot of, like like in the states especially i mean you have to be very i guess sensitive to certain topics and things you bring in a classroom so retheming things would be something very important to consider depending on the game absolutely uh, so i guess one of the last things i would like to ask you about is how, what's your approach to teaching the rules because there are different ways to do it like you could, for example, send a video to the to the students in advance, or you could just explain the game, or you could prepare some activities. So what's your approach to doing that? Well, first, I love teaching board games to English language learners because then when I teach it to other <laughs> native English speakers, it's a lot easier to teach and get across how to play the game. Yeah. Um, so I love to do that because I get some practice, and then when I teach a new game, it's goes a lot smoother Absolutely. but what I do is I tried asking students and I think some t- 
told them to listen to the podcast before, <laughs> but but I think only a couple of them did that, and mm-hmm. so and I can't expect them to all do it and then all be ready to play. Like I, you know, it's like if a student doesn't finish their yeah. homework that they need to work with a partner to do, then someone's out of a partner to work with. So I have to prepare regardless. Mm-hmm. So what I usually do is I prepare a PowerPoint. Yeah. Um, I, I teach with a PowerPoint actually 90% of the time because I think if I have that technology to use to provide the extra language support, mm-hmm. especially with the student demographic I teach where there's a low level to high level disparity, yep. having that visual language I think really helps. So I, I use a PowerPoint to help teach the rules and mm-hmm. usually throughout the PowerPoint we do example, an example of play I guess. Yeah. Um, for different portions of the game. Mm-hmm. So like I said, I think there are different ways to do it. So uh, I used to just explain the rules to the students. But then when I went to England and I did it in this sort of way, um, the feedback that I got from uh, my boss there, my director of studies, was like, it, it's amazing. The students love it. But you have to reduce your teacher talking time. So because I would spend let's say 10 to 15 minutes just talking by myself explaining the game which is not good enough because it's you know too teacher centered so these days the way i do it these days is that uh for example i find a video on you on youtube uh, a review or playthrough or something like that and then i play it to the students prior to the like like one of the as, as one of the first activities in that lesson um, and it's basically a listening task. So they get a worksheet with some questions. It, it could be simple, like yes, no questions. And then so they have to pay attention to what they are saying in the in the playthrough or the video, and then they mark their answers, and then we check the answers, and from that they will learn the rules of the game. Man, that's, yeah, that's great. I think uh, I might have to steal that teaching, <laughs> teaching idea. Yeah, I didn't really consider giving them uh, an activity to learn the game in class. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, I, I'm not sure how it would work in, in Taiwan uh, because I know like this, the students are a little bit different in each part of the world. They have sort of different approach as well. So uh, do, do you also teach communicatively in Taiwan or is it a little bit more like, um, because now the, I, I'm not. I'm not sure if I'm on a dangerous ground here, but basically, I teach uh, some Chinese students here, and some of them are not used to being taught communicatively that much. So, if I give them too much freedom, or if they have to um, be more creative and work in groups and pairs, they might not be used to it, and it takes more time. Is it, do you have similar experience, or? Right. Yeah. I mean, I definitely. I think. So I taught in mainland China as well, and that was the feeling from most students, but I taught a demographic of students who had foreign teachers at least one year before most of the students, but I also taught freshmen where I was the first mm-hmm. foreign teacher. So mm-hmm. yeah, they, they're very much used to the Socratic teaching style where yeah. they're just told <laughs> told the exactly. content. Exactly. Where... But I think in Taiwan, it's it's a, they have maybe more experience with mm-hmm. like even the teachers have more experience with this communicative based approach that it kind of seeps over to Taiwanese teaching methods in English language. So when they get to the university level, mm-hmm. they've kind of had that um, more 
student-centered approach when they get yeah. to my class at least and I'm teaching junior level so like at that point they've had at least two Taiwanese teachers who are pretty open to that partner work group work and maybe even a foreign teacher too so yeah it's I think they would they would take to that yeah. pretty well and I, I think we have come a first full circle here because I think it's it's actually the board games that can help us bridge this gap and that can help us uh, if, if, if any students are intimidated or, or um, not used to working in groups or pairs and speaking English to one another. It's the board games that can help us with that, because like we said before, <laughs> like they can have fun with it and they forget that they are learning. Yeah, that's a perfect, perfect way to, to wrap it all up. <laughs> exactly. Put a bow yeah. On it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, so Dustin, it's been it's been great to have you on the podcast. I have always, I've always wanted to do this because uh, I knew that uh, it would be a great guest for my podcast and somebody I could talk about uh, the same interest that I have. And hopefully, the listeners, uh, not hopefully, I'm pretty sure the listeners uh, enjoyed that too. Yeah, no, thank you. I I really appreciate you inviting me on, and it's been a lot of fun talking about uh, the three things we share in common. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So um, thank you very much for taking part in this. And um, if you want, I'll send you some, some of my lesson plans for the, for the games and uh, to show you what I do in the, in the classes in England, let's say. Please, please do, yes. Yeah. So thanks, thanks again for your podcast. And could you please once again remind the listeners where they can find you? What's the name of your podcast? Yeah, it's Board Gaming with Education, and you can find us on most social medias at Board Gaming with Education or BGE Games. Thank you again. It was a lot of fun. Yeah, it was a pleasure to have you on the podcast. Real delight. Thank you very much, Dustin, and good luck with everything you do in your life, and especially with Board Gaming with English and with Education podcast. Thank you. Thank you. Bye. Thanks a lot for listening. For more information, go to Zdenek's English Podcast Facebook group or visit zdenek'senglishpodcast.podbean.com.